Were you really a Christian? I'm, I wasn't a Christian. I was a man of God. What's the difference? Because Christian have a tendency to be hypocrite in the sight of God. And what are you now? When you work in the sight of God, you must not go to your man yard. You must not cheat on your fellow brothers in the church. You must not rob the collection. And a church that is dealing with God is supposed to make sure that what he's doing, when he preach and collect the collection, you have mad people on the road. You have sick people who need help. You have school who need help. And the pastor, they might teeth the collection at your garden yard. I want the collection to do something beneficiary to the country and to the poorer class people. And until that time, I am not a Christian. I am a man of God. I am far from church, but closer to God. You understand? I not can see in your church and far from God because some of them in our church are really right. With, with this latest move, what, what what's now? Are you Desmond Mohammed? No. What? I, you never hear me come here and say, Salam alaikum alaikum salam, you know. So what is it? Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Lady Fabulous Podcast. I am your host, Lady Fabby. And today's topic, I'm going to jump straight into it. Is struggle faith. I want to make it perfectly clear. I gave my life to Christ a long time ago. I am a believer. What did they usually ask you? Are you washed in the blood, water baptized, Jesus on your mind, all of the above? Um, and primarily, I grew up going to church every day. I make this joke that from I knew myself. <laughs> I remember going to church and I don't mean like I just went to one church my parents worked so I went to Wednesday night was Bible study Thursday was choir rehearsal you could not get me to put on a choir robe over those that itchy big dress and pantyhose and stockings I mean not stockings and socks it wasn't happening so I did not sing in the choir thankfully but that didn't mean that I didn't need to be at choir rehearsal. <laughs> um, Friday night was youth night, youth events. I was there. Saturday, I kid you not, guys. I promise you, no joke. I was going to, um, what do they call it? Oh, Jesus. Sabbath churches, Seventh-day Adventist church. And I made it perfectly clear to my parents and the people I wear uniforms Monday through Friday. You cannot get me to put on another uniform. I'm just here because my parents want me to be in church. And that was Friday. Saturday, I had a break. No, Saturday, I went to church with my neighborhood friend. And Sunday, I went to my church that I actually grew up in. Sunday evening, I went back to church with my friend. And so I'm, I have read the Bible from Genesis 1 to the last chapter in Revelation. And I'm, I know I kind of joke about it, but in all seriousness, um, my coming to Christ story was really a, a very emotional and rough one. And <clears throat> I was going to church, but God had to make himself so plain and clear to me in a way that I knew that nobody else knows about this nobody else haven't told anyone nobody knows and for him to literally reveal it to my mother and I remember just being a complete mess because prior to that I had been in sermons hearing pastors talk about acknowledging right from wrong and <clears throat> once you like we're born iniquity and we're shaped in sin 
and him just just discussing like wholeheartedly the purpose of salvation and mind you when I say I was young I was young I had no idea that the Wednesday prior the Wednesday prior to him preaching that message my mother had gotten baptized and let me tell you something the fervent prayer of a mother and a wife avail it much that Wednesday my mom got baptized nobody in the house knew nobody okay um sunday night she comes home from work and god reveals i mean everything to the point where i had no words and that was the first time i knew that my mother could when i say pray listen to me i think when i was when we were done i looked at my mom like no sir i'm not my mother this (laughs) um and so after that was Sunday night, the following Sunday, I didn't tell my mother anything. I, um, they asked about baptism and I remember saying, I think I went to someone and I said, I'd like to get baptized. And I remember like the experience, there were seven children in my age group who gave their life to God. And I, again, Maybe one day I'll get comf- I'll feel comfortable sharing that journey, but I really want to talk about the sides of being a Christian and a believer that nobody just chooses to discuss or the parts people tend to discredit. Because you're a believer in God, there's no way you can have doubt and still be a Christian. There's no way you can wholeheartedly say you trust God. Listen, if you are one of those Christians who every day you have the desire to pray, God bless you, but I'm not I'm not one of them. I'm going to keep it 100% real and authentic with you. And so lately I've been struggling with how how so much can be going on in the world and there's a God who sees all and knows all. And at the end of the day, none of it makes sense. I struggle with understanding how you can live a life for God and it doesn't exempt you from um, attacks of the enemy. And while I've read the Bible and I know that salvation doesn't mean you get a get a get out of jail free card, but it is rather difficult to fathom like, OK, God, if I wholeheartedly surrender my life to you, I'm living for you. All other things are under your command, like in you, I move, live and have my entire being. And it's almost as though the more you serve God, the more your life is under attack. And I remember um, in the latter portion of me, I guess that's when I first gave my life to Christ. But in the latter portion of me really um, starting my faith journey, I remember... um, (laughs) Being having to now sing in the choir, having to now serve on um, serve in ministry. And um, I remember a minister had said, living a life for God means that you literally are a target. And it doesn't while it while it doesn't exempt you from hardships. If you are not dealing with something at any point in life, then check check your Christianity. 
And I had this issue because I'm like, God, while I'm not one of those people who believe you only call me to prosper, like, yes, the prosperity gospel sounds nice, but all of us are not going to be rich. All of us will not, I mean, inherit this a major amount of money. Like, God gives us what he can trust us with, what will not be a distraction. And I remember really in my latter portion of I guess really getting to know God I saw that the more I served God the more that I took a stance for God was the more I was attacked and it got to a point where I was so angry I got to a point where I was like while I'm not expecting any Christian to be perfect because a saint is just a sinner like Donnie McClurkin said who fell down but got up but I remember like our family first of all my grandma taught us don't you ever tell anybody any of your business are you kidding me like my grandmother raised us to be private people and when I said private listen somebody could die for me today and I show up at work and I'm not telling us all and um I remember like you know the bible says iron sharpens iron and um it is not good for like he, re- he fellowship is a part of salvation and i remember us really taking our family issues to people we trusted in order to pray for us and when i tell you that it was it was so disheartening because for us one to not trust people and for us to want prayer and people the, the same people who pray for you let me tell you something Y'all got to be careful. The same people who are praying with you, they will actively sit down at their dining tables and speak against you. And if you want to know for a fact that they're gossiping, watch the behavior of the children and watch how the ch- what their children repeat. It's not hard. And I remember I was just like a mess. I said, God, like, if this is what it means to be in Christ, if this is what it means that like not only you have to deal with outside people then the the body of Christ there's no what the things that I'm coming to you in prayer for people are discussing them as though it's their business god where where's the accountability i got to a point where i said listen when i go to church when i sing panel choir when i like you could not get me to do anything and i remember my mom like getting when I say annoyed with me and I said to her listen I'm at a point now where if I'm a god tell me for do it me not do it and even if a god tell me for do it when I tell you that literally he would have to push me out of the belly of the whale like Jonah in order for me to do it I'm not doing it and I remember a minister saying to me that you don't realize that your anointing and what God has called you to do has nothing to do with you but has everything to do for the souls you have to win win for the kingdom of god and i was listening to him and her and i'm like i don't have time for it because at the same time we really believe that there's a standard for god like the things we condone in church to me makes no sense and i said to myself like church is supposed to be the place where you get correction where you're enriched where yes people are still going to be people but at the very least like nobody wants to come to church burdened and leave drained 
like not drained where you're on a high from God, drained of your sorrows. Like no, drained in the sense where come here for a worship and who not true award. Like I just got to a point where I said, you know what? It's better that I know God for myself because not only will pastors lead me astray, but the people of God will make me turn back. And I lately I just said, God, how can you be so loving? How can you be so gracious? And there are literally people in this world who are being shot down for the color of their skin. How can you really see all that is going on? And I know the Bible must be fulfilled in all of this, but God, it makes no sense to me how you expect us to really wholeheartedly hold on to faith. And I know people will say you can stand for him and fall for anything. Listen. I always say to God, God, at a very early age, I had faith. When when the Bible talks about childlike faith, God, I've seen some things in my life that I would hope never again to face. But God, although I saw them, I thank you that you gave me the faith to continue to believe in you and hold on. But now that I'm older, I'm not going to lie to you. I struggle. I struggle at times to believe that there is a God who really even hears prayers anymore because this world is so vile and this world is so desolate. And I said, you know, it just it really blows my mind because at times we don't talk about it enough in church. We really don't talk about what it means. Like when you see pastors and people walking away from God and always say, God, make it make sense to me. There are people in this life that you have called to pray for people and to stand with them. You have you have people praying for people and they're getting answered prayers and they have not. They're still working, working through their own issues. And I remember saying to myself, I had this idea that like in order for God to use you, like your life always had to align with him. And it was when I finally had my own experience of at the moment in the moments when I just I wasn't I I really wasn't seeking God as I should. I wasn't I wasn't praying to him as I should. And in the middle of my doubt and wondering like, God, this not make no sense. It really not make no sense. I remember God using me mightily, mightily to the point where when I was done, all God could say to me is, and you doubt that there, that, that I am real and you doubt that I am real. And for the first time, I understood that your anointing has nothing to do with you. Your anointing is what God has placed upon you and his will must be done. So no matter how much you fight, no matter how much you run, no matter how much you hide, God's assignment will be completed. And it doesn't matter how he gets it done, where he gets it done. Disobedient, delayed obedience is still disobedience, but trust and believe God, God's will will always be fulfilled. I remember <laughs> in my anger with God. Or in my, during my period of doubt, I remember, like, I just said, I'm not, like, I I refuse. God, I'm not going to no church service. I'm not going to no Bible study. I'm not doing anything. And I'm talking about, like, recent years. And I had just become so frustrated because I 
had gotten news that two of my childhood friends, one was completely strung out on drugs to the point where he doesn't even know himself. And my um, my other childhood best friend, she died in a car accident and it was tragic because she went through the window and it was just so much. And it was during a period where I was fasting. <laughs> I was on a 21 day fast, a Daniel fast. And I mean, when I tell you the amount of tragedy that took place within three weeks, mind you, I'm doing the Daniels fast and sometimes I struggle with my iron. Um, I, I, I caught the flu, like literally spiritually, I was in warfare and physically I was in warfare. It was a mess. And I remember like every Every day, my mom would call me. So, did you go to church? Did you talk to God? I said to her, look here. Um, at this point, like, I wake up. I tell God, thanks for life. And I say my grace. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie to you. If I can't remember to tell him, thank you at the end of the day for carrying me through, then I tell him, thank you. But me and God really not wrap too tight. And I remember, like, when I tell you the amount of I mean, it just, it did not stop. For the 21 days I was fasting, all was well. But you see that last day? I had 21 days of pure hell after that. And I remember finally, like, having a moment where my parents couldn't come check on me. Like, it, nothing, nobody was there. <laughs> and I had to, I literally remember laying in bed and I was sick. I need to take my medicine. I couldn't eat. It was just a mess. And I remember God saying to me, how can you doubt that I am God? That I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. When I am the same God that kept you from being strung out on drugs. I'm the same God who kept you from a life of prostitution. I am the same God who kept you all these years. And as much as you don't want to be on the face of this earth, I am the God who keepeth thee. I am the God who sees all and who knows all. I am still the same yesterday and today and forevermore. I want to tell you guys, I was a weak, but when God finished with me, I had to get, crawl out of the bed and literally get on my face before God and prostrate and tell him thank you. Because while emotionally I was struggling, I had not seen how many times God had kept me, how many times God had provided for me. Even in the midst of my Daniel fast, how the enemy attacked me. And it is God's grace and mercy that kept me, kept me from being behind bars, kept, I mean, you name it. And I, I just, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, after I begged God for forgiveness, I still wasn't going to church. <laughs> um, and then finally, one Sunday, I just said, you know what, like, I can't continue like this. Um, and I got up and I got dressed for church. And I went to a church where I was like, okay, God, nobody don't know me in here. Like, it won't be an issue. I, I'm just coming. I really need a word, God. I'm going to come and head out. I sat in the back row. When I tell you the very back row, I think there was only... I sat in the row before the ushers. And 
bef- I mean, I don't want to say I was uncomfortable. <laughs> Because, again, like I said, I grew up in church. Church don't scare me. I'm not new to spiritual warfare. I'm not new to the spirit of God moving. I'm not new to the gifts of God. I'm not new to any of it. And I was sitting in the back of the church, and I was quite comfortable. And they had an altar call for people who were currently. you, you Literally, the altar call, I knew God had set it up. And when I tell you, I sat in the back of the church, and I would not move I would not move and the pa- listen people came and went up and the pastor literally said there is somebody still sitting in here and I am begging you please because the Holy Spirit will not let me go but what whatever assignment you are called to do please do it and when I tell you I would I still would not move because I said listen God me just come here forget a little word I'm gone back on my yard me not in this and the woman came, mind you, the woman had not seen me throughout the whole entire service. The woman was front of the church. She came to me and she literally said to me, my goodness, my goodness, whatever God tells you to do, young lady, you need to do it. You have a mandate on your life and you cannot outrun God. You cannot there's you can't hide from God and until you get to the point where you completely begin to operate in the authority that God has given you you will not find rest you will not find rest she said whatever in life God tells you to do I am telling you to do it she said to me you are no stranger to the body of Christ you are no stranger. And so wherever you're coming from, whatever God told you to do, young lady, I'm going to tell you, do it and do it to the best of your ability. And again, here goes another experience because I said to myself, God, you telling all of these people about my assignment and people pouring into me and people telling me, but God, if you personally do not open up the thunderclouds of heaven and literally shake Shake my very foundation and tell me for yourself. God, me not do it because I don't want to move in flesh. I remember going to a Bible study and <laughs> somebody said to me, Fabiola, you remind me of such and such. And I said to her, no, 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 no. We're we not doing that. And another young lady said to me, it seems as though she's heard that before. And another girl laid her hands on me and said, Fabiola, we just going to keep praying for you because at some point you won't have any choice but to submit to God's authority in your life. And honestly, I'm going to tell you, I have this perception in my mind that when the time is right and, and, and God will make this work and, and I don't like God, there's no, I want you to get the glory I want it to be so, I want to know that I have ran from this to the point where when you, when it finally happens, God, it's not me wondering, God, did I move thinking that like, this is something I wanted to do. Listen, I have been running and I'm not going to lie to you, will continue to run. And I remember my mom said to me, there's a point where. You can't run from God anymore. God will literally make life uncomfortable for you. And I said to her, I just feel like I don't, I said to her, I don't, 
I already struggle a lot of times with believing for my own self. I have no problem to pray and believe for somebody and that when I pray that God is going to come through because he's a God that answers prayer. When it comes on to me, sometimes I'm like, why God may not even go better? Like, you know the situation, you know what it is, and so this is just what you want me to deal with. And I said to my mom, I just don't understand that how come... Why is, why is it that God can never use me when I'm happy, when I'm completely whole, when, when I'm certain of, when I'm certain in him? And she said to me, because it's your brokenness that God is attracted to. It's your, it's your brokenness that makes God, that allows God to use you in ways you don't, you can't even imagine. And so in order for him to prove to you that it's not off of your own strength he uses you when you are most uncomfortable and that to me is still unfathomable unfathomable and it wasn't until again like I said I had my own experience I used to say to my mom how come God has appointed people with the ability to sing and when I mean sing I mean they open their mouth and I've and and just the melody that comes out of their mouth and they draw people to God through their worship and through their singing and at the same time, they have not completely surrendered their life to God. Like, can you imagine how much be- more beautiful um, it would be to see their just just God's complete will manifested in their life? And I used to be like, like I just can't fathom it. How do you not? How do you not relish in those moments with God? And honestly, I'm gonna tell you, I still don't have the answers. This is still a work in progress. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm still Jonah. I'm still Jeremiah wondering, like, God, like, this makes no sense. Curse the day that I was born. Like, all of the emotions Jeremiah talked about experiencing are something that I daily experience. I, I experience daily. And so... I just want to take the take a moment to say for every God, for every believer listening to this and for every unbeliever who has struggled with wanting to come to Christ. God, I pray that you would find them wherever they are. And I pray that you would enfold them with your love, with your peace, with comfort that surpasses all understanding. I pray that you would lift a standard against the enemy, God. Surround them with godly people, people who are able to not only mentor them, but to enrich them, to pray for them, God. People who will continue to cover them when they have no words for their, to even offer unto you. God, I pray that you will help every struggling Christian who, who knows your word, who has hid your word in their heart, God but yet and still finds himself on a day-to-day basis struggling to even pray for their own self, struggling to even pray for the people around them and struggling with their assignment. I pray, Emmanuel, God, that you that you will, I know that we are given free will, but God, you will make submission easy. I pray, Emmanuel, God, that you will help us not to be distracted by the, by the world and, and, and the enemy that would want to sift us like wheat. But God, encircle us and enfold us and help us to be men and women of God that stand firm, flat-footed, resolute in you. God, I pray that you will continue to just renew our minds and renew our spirit, God. I pray, Emmanuel, God, for a double portion of a blessing, God, just like Elijah and Elisha. God, I pray that 
the ladder is greater and that it's not material ladder, God, but it's spiritual ladder that the joy, your restored joy that we had in you, your restore, restore peace that we had in you, God, and that the favor of you. The favor of God will be so evident in our lives, God, that bef- that our lives will reflect what it is to walk holy. Because, God, holiness is a standard, regardless of how the world would try to depict it as though we don't need to ask you for forgiveness. And that once we're saved, we're automatically saved forever, God. I pray, Jesus, that you will help our lives to begin to align with your word. And most of all, God, I pray even for myself that I'm not excluded from this barrier. I pray that you'll help us that our speech may taste like the salt of the earth that you called us to be. That it may be seasoned with grace. And God, where we lack love, God, I pray that you help us to find it. Restore the joy of our salvation, God, that we may worship you. I pray, Emmanuel, God, that you'll... Search our hearts, God, and cleanse us from every sin and set us free. Help us to walk holy and worthy of your grace. Because although your son paid the ultimate price, there's nothing we could ever offer up onto you that will will, equ- will equate to his ultimate sacrifice. We bless your holy name. We thank you in no other name but in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Blessed Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm your host, Lady Fabulous, and this is probably the realest one you'll get. I'm out.